You're listening to the Fix the Money, Fix the World show on the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast Network. Here's your host, Luke Mikich. Welcome back to this week's edition of Bitcoin Breakdowns with Corey and myself. And I'm hoping that a couple of you might have a little bit of deja vu if you noticed the title on the thumbnail of today's video, because two weeks ago in Bitcoin Breadcrumbs number four, uh, we talked about the inflation hitting its highest level in 30 years. And guess what? Today, we're talking about the CPI inflation hitting its highest level in 40 years. Four decades, guys, the CPI has never seen a number of 6.8% or higher, but we're gonna break all that down in today's episode because I'm telling you, my little spidey senses for hyperinflation are going off a little bit. This is pretty eerie stuff we're seeing, but don't you worry, it's all just transitory. Um, We're gonna be talking about that and we're also gonna be talking about everything that's happened uh, recently in the Bitcoin space. I really hope you guys enjoy this one. Before we jump on into it, let's hear from today's show sponsor, who is Coinbase. Do you guys have questions about Bitcoin? Personalize your learning and book a one-on-one video call with a Bitcoin pro on Coinbase Connect. You can learn about mining, security, the Lightning Network, taxes, and many other topics. It's really easy. Choose your topic and pro, select a date when you're available, and bring your questions to the meeting room. Book your first call today by going to coinbase.com and clicking on the Connect tab. Be prepared for the financial revolution and get the knowledge you need. You said thanks, Dad. Like, that makes right. me so old. You're my, you're my Bitcoin dad. I just uh, I just expose your age. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm so old. I'm so old. Um, I, will, I tell you, um, this is Bitcoin breadcrumbs, by the way. Hell of an intro there. Um, I did like I've had like people refer to me as Mister Tusik before. Um, Mister, in the reference like in a reference of like pointing something out like you know or you're like at like a business thing and somebody's just being super formal um and uh and today my son's teacher it was the first time somebody actually said mr Tusik, like meaning like hey you old person there um and uh because she was like asking like just confirming you know um something and she was like hey mr Tusik, i just wanted to confirm and i was like you are talking to my father, like, and my dad's not here. So, because Mr. Tusik is my dad, it is certainly not me. Um, so, and now you call me your Bitcoin dad. Holy crap. Am I that really that much older than you? You're actually not. Like, uh, it, I've, I've never actually told you this before, but I've, <laughs> I've always thought you've actually got a baby face. You, you actually don't look as old as you are. I'm not going to dox your age, but I, I just like taking the Oh, piss. no, I definitely, yeah. I, I definitely, definitely have a baby face. And it's funny hopefully this will be good for our kids because my wife has looked the same since she was about well like facially um about like five years old like and she just still like you know like looks young so you lucky um, doc we we yeah oh dude i (laughs) there's a saying here and uh there's a saying with with uh in reference to american football and women is that i outkicked my coverage like i like so uh, she's so far out of my league um you know so it's uh I'll that's take got a it. nice I, ring to it I, I, as a as an australian bogan i've never heard that i outkick my coverage we call it uh punching yeah. above your weight yeah oh dude i was definitely definitely punching above my weight like i'm mean, just like you know 
like to the people to the point where people are like oh wow okay um like they're starting to wonder what was wrong my father-in-law always tells me that um that they get money from the state and that's why that's why she settled for a guy like me (laughs) (laughs) uh, uh, financial incentives but anyways enough about me let's talk about you (laughs) let's talk about the news and speaking of financial incentives uh big news tonight uh well today actually ladies and gentlemen last week we were telling you that inflation hit its highest level in 30 years at 6.2 percent well today we get to tell you that it's hit its highest level in 39 years uh because the the cpi or the cp lie has come out and it's hit 6.8 percent so what are your thoughts on that Corey? um they're really doing their best to hold it back um Mm. and i you know i'm starting to wonder like i'm not taking their side on manipulating and you by the way you're showing your messages on uh i know (laughs) the recording okay you're totally doxing your i know i know no you're good you're good you didn't dox anything um just it's um, it's okay but yeah but uh no so i i think like you know like the the cp lie you know i do wonder because they're it's mainly nefarious but i've been thinking about it a lot lately i've been doing a lot of deep thinking about bitcoin that's why i haven't been in a lot of spaces um i've just been i mean i've been overwhelmed by everything else in life but um but uh yeah i've been you know, it's not all nefarious because there is probably somebody in there that's like, well, like if we show the real number, this thing is going to explode and fall apart. Mm. Um, you know what I mean? So I don't know. You give me your thoughts on that. Like, do you think that is, if there's, is there any shred of that in this CP lie that comes out? Well, you could definitely look at it two, two different ways. You could look at it from the really conspiratorial angle with tinfoil hat. Um, that this is kind of where I land. Hey, do you have your tinfoil hat? I I do. I always do. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Tinfoil (laughs) hats on. So let me go through my tinfoil hats thought experiment. I think the central bankers are evil. Um, I think if you read the book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. It shows pretty clearly who owns the central banks and they're not nice people. Let's put it that way. Um, And essentially they can hide inflation and keep it lower for longer. That gives them a license to print more money and put very simply, um, whether it's fiscal monetary policy, whether it's fiscal policy or monetary policy, it doesn't matter how you print the money. It's bad for the little guy. Okay. It's as simple as that. Um, So if they can keep inflation low, they get a license to print more and that means they can extract more value and more money from the lower and the middle class and send it to the cantillionaires. Um, That's my thoughts on it, but I like your angle as well Um, because if they were to report inflation, how it really is, it's 15%. If you look at the shadow stats inflation metric or the Chapwood inflation metric, uh, for any new listeners, and that's how they used to measure it, right? Yeah, yeah. I can even pull that up while we're talking on screen. But these two different websites simply measure inflation, how the governments themselves used to measure inflation. And when you have a look at it, it's not six percent like the government claims it is. 
real inflation is much closer to 15%. So I think we've been through this a couple of times or maybe once before on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But so the blue line is how governments used to measure the metric. And you can see that's hitting 15%. My goodness. Um, and you can see how the governments measure it today in the red. That's only hitting 6 7%. Yikes. Yeah, so um, I do like your angle, though, like how you said, um, if the government's reported inflation how it really is, obviously that will trigger hyperinflation. Hyper, uh, hyperinflation occurs because it's a, it's a loss in faith of the currency. Um, and if people were aware that inflation is 15%, they're probably more likely to spend the money even faster than they are. And then that gets into that self-perpetuating feedback loop that triggers a hyperinflationary event. Yeah. I mean, I just don't understand how people aren't, you know, flipping out now. Like, it's so funny to me and like people aren't freaking out because I'm sitting there freaking out. Um, and and uh, it kind of you kind of feel like Noah building the ark, you know, where you're just building the ark, and everybody's like, "Look at that crazy guy there! Like that guy's insane." Um, but when the floods come, uh, it's gonna be great to be on that boat. Uh, but it, it was kind of funny too. It's just you know, do you have this struggle when you go venture out into normie land? Um, like I was talking to the mortgage broker you know, and we're talking about something about refinancing, you know, like we're getting this new house. It's like, yeah, you know, you could refi in a little bit, blah, 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 blah. Like, but you don't know how long rates are going to stay this low, you know? And like, they really do think that like at any moment, interest rates are going to start to go up because, you know, they're like, how could they be so low? They're never going to go lower, you know? And I'm like, I don't think you understand how this money works. Like they have to be low. They have to stay low. They can't go the other way at this point. And this is my smooth brain mindset. But like they can't, from what I understand, start raising rates on mortgages because if they do, that will just have a cascading effect, won't it? Yeah, they can't raise rates um, if we're operating under the assumption that everything's above board and everything's fair. If you raise rates to even 4%, uh, even you raise rates to three to four percent, you've got a four hundred trillion dollar debt bomb around around the world. Governments would go insolvent. Uh, the mortgage, like you said, the the financial system would go insolvent. That would cause the mortgage backed security market to go insolvent. Debt would collapse, and you'd probably see a ninety five percent correction in equities and house prices and everything. But so I say that, and you would think that. they wouldn't raise interest rates. I don't put it past them. I don't put it past them. If I would, again, chuck on my tinfoil hat, maybe it's some sort of, you know, maybe it's a game plan. You spike interest rates at three or 4% temporarily. You kick the everyday person out of their home because they can't afford their mortgage like they did in the 2008 global financial crisis. And they do the exact same thing they did in 08. The little guy gets kicked out. He doesn't get a bailout. Um, and then they print all the money and they give it to the insolvent, um, the insolvent banking system. Um, so yeah, I just um, this has kind of been why I've been on my crusade against housing recently because it sounds like a sure bet economically because they can't raise rates, but people aren't people 
um, in my mind, need to take into consideration all of the other sh uh, strings that are attached to housing um, and being in debt to the being in, being in debt to a tyrannical government as it's going insolvent during a global debt bomb and a global hyperinflationary event. <laughs> that was a lot, but it doesn't. <laughs> That doesn't sound like uh, that doesn't sound too good. <laughs> uh, Unprecedented. I mean, We've never seen it before. Yeah. So what do you, what happens there? Because I mean, so I'll take you from my perspective. Like personally, what I'm doing is, you know, people talk about like the housing market crashing and everything, and I'm like, okay, okay, I can this house at this fixed rate for the term you know like uh, that's not going to affect that's not going to change that i can afford that you know the house might go down but the value but it doesn't i don't care because i'm not trying to i'm not storing my wealth in that if that makes sense like i'm not if the value of the, of the house goes down 95 percent, and i'm still paying that mortgage you know that i can afford i don't care me personally, because I'm not looking to get value out of that house. I'm looking as a place to live. The value for me in the house is the property, the freedom, the, you know, sovereignty that I can get. Um, so I don't know. Is that like an okay way to look at it? Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the property that you've got with land and in a good position that kind of gives you some freedoms is the the best kind of property investment that you could be making um the the yeah i mean i just when, when i think about property and i throw it out there to people i say look property is going to lose 90 percent of its value in today's dollars um, when you transition to a bitcoin standard just because uh, that's just simply how the maths works. If you've got no debt on a Bitcoin system, property is going to be repriced 90% lower. Um, and then I think- And why is that? That's because we've got a $400 trillion debt bomb. Um, and on a Bitcoin standard, you're not going to have that kind of uh, debt. You're not going to have a 400% global debt to GDP ratio. Um, so that just means, um, like if you have a look at home prices on a gold standard, uh, typically, the average home would be priced um, at a 2.5 to 3x multiplier of your annual salary. So, for example, if, you, if your average man earns $50,000, that means your average home price was $150,000 or a 3x of your income on a gold standard. So, um, and today around the world, most property prices are around at least a 5x um, of your income. Um, in, it's actually much closer to a 10x in most cities. Um, and even here in Australia, some of the property prices are priced at a 15 times your annual income um, versus, you know, yeah. So on a Bitcoin standard, I think it's going to, property prices are going to correct to what they were on a gold standard. So that's like a 70, 80, 90% repricing in property. That's crazy. Um, yeah, because I mean, so they, 
so in Bitcoin, what will the multiple be on a Bitcoin standard? What will the multiple be of like you know, the house's value versus your you know annual income? I think it'll be it'll return it be like to a 2x. It, it'll ret- a, a property will return to 2x your annual income. And today it's at 15x. So if, if, a, if a property price um, in Sydney, for example, is $1.5 million, and let's just say an income is $100,000 in the inner city, that means on a Bitcoin standard, I expect that property that's worth $1.5 million to be worth 200000 on a Bitcoin standard. So if there's any uh, math nerds out there who's listening in, um, that's that's a pretty big discount. What's that? 80, 90% um, correction in property prices. But there's just, there's so many more risks to property that people don't understand. I think I, I, I wouldn't be surprised, again, tinfoil hats going on, but I wouldn't be surprised to see your VAC status and your medical status attached to your your ownership rights, you've already seen that in one of the states in America. Uh, a document came out that was linked, uh, leaked, sorry, and it showed that to get a have a driver's license in the future, it's going to be attached to your, quote-unquote, uh, social credit score and vaccination status. So if that's coming for your driver's license, I wouldn't be surprised if that's coming for... What state What state was that? I can't remember. I saw it on Twitter. I could maybe put it in It had to be like show. a super blue state. Yeah, it would have been it would have been a blue state for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, in Nigeria, you can't get your money out of the bank unless you show them your vaccination card. Um, so I just think that trend's going to continue. Um, and then as governments get more, so that's one of the risks that I see with property. Another risk is uh, property ownership rights. Another risk is unrealized capital gains tax um, because the governments are going insolvent. People need to understand that. This is the first time we've seen governments go insolvent in uh, 80 years. Um, the last time was in the 1940s at the conclusion of that long-term debt cycle. So I think people were just underestimating to what lengths and how tyrannical governments will get. Um, and to pay down their debt, they essentially just tax everyone's wealth away. They inflate it away. They tax it away. Um, and I think property is just a big... Um, it's really easy target because you can't move it. You can't hide it. They know where you are. <laughs> it's attached to your name and they've got you in debt as well. So just hmm. my thoughts on property. I'm a property bear. So you're saying I shouldn't be buying this house. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you say this like literally if, as I'm like, <laughs> everybody like has moving different boxes all through my house. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know. I know. Um, I know. The uh, so well, I, I want to get to the the. I think the other topic we we're going to talk about is the price. And ever since we did our last bre- breadcrumbs, but I want to talk on what you were talking about there a little bit. So, walk people through because you have a better, at least you can verbally discuss a better the um the the history of the governments going insolvent 80 years ago um so it's basically after world war ii they were all broke yep was that right yeah so i can pull up a tweet thread i've done on it um but essentially 
you get to a situation where debt is unsustainable. Um, and when you've built up debt to levels that is unsustainable, governments either need to default on that debt. Um, and the, the, the way they default on debt is they never just, you know, wipe their hands and say, okay, we got over leveraged. We're going to let everything collapse 95% because they tried that in the 1930s. Um, like you saw a, you saw a 95% correction in the stock market. Um, so naturally they prefer not to do that and they prefer to just print into oblivion. Um, and obviously um, in the 1930s at the conclusion of the previous long-term debt cycle, the government debt to GDP ratio was like 120%. Um, and they, they essentially just inflated that away um, to below 60% um, in only 15 years. And the way they did that was to pin interest rates low for a period of 10 years through the 40s. And what they did is they um, spend a lot of money. So for anyone watching on the YouTube, um, you can see a little chart I've pulled up. Um, I'm just showing that you can see the government was running massive fiscal deficits that's highlighted um, by the big gray bars. And you can also see by the orange line, that's interest rates. Um, so you can see the little note there called yield curve control. They essentially pinned interest rates low for a period of 10 to 15 years. Um, so when interest rates are at 0% and real inflation's at 15% for 10 years, what you get is you get the ability to inflate away your debt. So here's the next chart. We're looking at the same time period. You can see the US government had debt to GDP of 120%. And you can see by the 60s, they got that down under 60. Um, so put very simply, this is how they do it. They uh, print money, they devalue the money, and they pay back their debt in the devalued dollars. That's very simply how governments deal with debt to GDP ratios uh, that high. And today, we have got to the conclusion of a long-term debt cycle. Um, I'll pull up another chart. So this is from a tweet thread I did a while ago. People can go and check it out. Um, but, it's really funny too because I just tweeted, like I retweeted um, President Biden's tweet the four four hours ago. His Twitter account put out it said the United States pays its debts when they are due. That's why today I signed a bill to fast track the process to raise our debt limit. And like, I honestly, it took me five takes to realize that it wasn't satire <laughs> like i thought i was like is this a joke like is this is this like i, I mean i couldn't believe it I, I kept i was like wow somebody did a deep fake somebody was able to like make their account look like the president's account like that's insane that's an insane statement yeah it's it's literally backwards like we're living in a clown world you're living in a backwards world where truth doesn't matter and he's literally just gaslighting the public um and i mean yeah i mean i think it's also worth noting um uh the, the reason they can't raise interest rates is because of the debt i didn't say that before when i was ranting and raving um, and that's why they have to resort to printing money um just because it's the easiest way out of a debt bomb um 
And yeah, I mean, speaking of gaslighting, something else I saved um, or, or something else I wanted to show today was the, the, what do they call themselves? Is it the BLS, the Bureau of Labor Statistics came out this morning, perfect timing with the high inflation print, and they're going to change the way CPI is measured starting January 2022. What a surprise. Um, Didn't they just change it like recently? Yeah. Yeah. And they, they're changing so they gonna, it. They're going to change it again? Yeah. Uh, weights for the CPI will be calculated based on consumer expenditure data from 2019-2020. Um, so there you go. Just more manipulation. I haven't even dived into this one. I don't know exactly what it means, but I, I don't think they're going to be... I don't think this is a sign of truth. Um, no. Um, here's another topic um, that I've got on the on the books for today. Um, Bring it. So there's this lady, right? And she's... Her name's Saul Amarova. And she's President Biden's next nominee for the Comptroller of the Currency. And she's a full-blown communist. This chick is a full-blown communist, right? Saul Amarova, she even grew up in the USSR, um, in the Soviet Union. Um, obviously, she calls herself an economist. Um, but you can see even the, even the Washington Post is taking her apart. Joe Biden mm. isn't a socialist, but his nominee to re- regulate banks has some pretty radical ideas. So she was handpicked from Joe Biden. And we're just going to go through a couple of the ideas that she proposed in a recent 70-page paper. So you, anyone who doesn't know her kind of gets an idea of who she is. Um, essentially, um, one of the first things she really likes, uh, she wants to cut out the entire banking system and she wants everybody to have an account with the Fed. Um, so that's... Hey, God, yeah, uh, yeah, and here's another point she raised: in extreme and rare circumstances, when the Fed is unable to control inflation by raising interest rates, she could uh, the Fed could confiscate deposits from the Fed accounts in order to tighten monetary policy. So she's advocating for everybody to have an account with the money Fed from you and literally steal money out of your account to tame the inflation. Um, so obviously she's got some even more radical ideas, but obviously, so she was stirring up a lot of, uh, a lot of people were calling her out, rightly so. She's a full-blown communist. She's got some really scary ideas. Um, and she had to recently withdraw from the uh the the race to be the next OCC, the comptroller of the currency. So that was really interesting. Um, so it was Biden's nominee, and then she had to withdraw because of the backlash. I I haven't found the exact reason why she had to withdraw, but it's strange that she has because she was very qualified, quote unquote, for the position. Like she's a big Keynesian. Um, but I want to read a tweet from Elizabeth Warren because she's commenting on the situation. She goes, it's, it's no secret that big banks oppose strong rules and regulators that protect the economic security of families. 
after leaving the American dream, Saul Amarova deserves better than outrageous red baiting. She's a leading expert on financial regulation and staunch consumer advocate. So Jesus. Warren, Warren is going into bat for the communist. That explains why she hates Bitcoin so much. She's yeah. like, she, the way she describes um, Saul Amarova in, and her plans to confiscate your money out of the bank account, she says Saul deserves better treatment. She's looking <laughs> out for the protection and security of families. It's absolute gaslighting. I mean, it's like they're doing it on purpose. You know, like it just feels like they're doing it on purpose. They're trying to fuel this division because there's no way this is by accident. These absolute blatant statements that just gaslight everything. Yeah. I ask myself the same thing every day, mate. I say in this clown world, no way is what they're saying is true. Um, I, I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if they they know it's not true and they're just trying to confuse and disorient people as much as possible because um, that's the goal. You don't want people understanding what's going on. That's an economic reset. You want the people confused and um distracted and infuriated by all these different mandates that are coming left and right and this news article and that article you want them really confused and in a state of disorientation so they don't understand that their wealth's getting extracted by at a rate of 15 to 20 percent a year and that's what's happening to everybody there they have i mean it's just the uh, the magician's trick, you know. When a when a magician is pulling a trick, you know they have a lot of distractions to guide you away from what they're really doing. Um, Bingo! Hmm. Absolutely nailed it. It's it's a controlled demolition of the largest, you know. Um, God, I'm going to look stupid in 10 years if we're sitting here and, you know, the Fed's kicked the can for another 10 years and it all looks good. Uh, but I, I, I really do, plebs. Like, I'm telling you, my balls are on the line. This smells like a hyperinflationary event and an economic reset to me. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty well, outspoken I mean, against it. Could be wrong. That could be wrong. But Yeah, we could be wrong. But, I mean, that's why, like, <laughs> that's why we're moving, you know. Um, I mean, we would have, you know, our first house was our first house. It was always going to be just our first house, you know, not big enough for um, a growing family. Um, and, uh, but the elements of this new place, um, let's just say, I never thought I'd be living somewhere like this. I was like a city kid, like, you know, went to school in the city. That's what I'm comfortable there. Um, and uh, yeah, here I am doing the opposite, um, looking at making Bitcoin miners um, heat greenhouses so that I can have food source. And because um, I think, you know, you've heard me advocate it many times, but 
just get a people get a hunger down you know go about life as you know keep going live life as normal but um have your have your oh shit moment prepared you know have your i always say you know my wife is just like she like i go on these rants and talk about these different things and um and uh and she's like and but like she'll be glad that whenever like you know like shit hits a fan that i'll be sitting there with like you know the car running and like my map and like i know where we're going <laughs> like i have it all laid out don't worry we got it we're under control um i think it's a great idea i think everyone should be prepared i mean uh the uk well, yeah, we, the uk the uk called the military into ration fuel when there were fuel shortages in hyperinflationary events you're going to see fuel shortages you're going to see food shortages um this was an interesting article that i i was perusing today um so she this chick it was it was published in the washington post um and have a look at this um, this is a quote from this chick she's a highly esteemed economist um she um she's talking about the food storage uh, um sorry the food shortage and the empty shelves in the shopping center uh, she says, since 1911, we've been obsessed with getting stuff and getting it fast. That's dumb. Deprivation is not only the new normal, it's the way things should be. Deprivation. Boy. Depriving know, people. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what like, do you reckon? I mean, like, uh, I, I listened to Mark Moss with... Um, uh peter mccormick today you know and like he said and i've been telling people this same thing um so he stole it from me no, i'm kidding um uh is that you know take their word for it you know what i mean like like i've been telling i like was telling my dad like whenever he's like what do you think i said dad i wouldn't i would think i'm a conspiracy theorist if it wasn't on websites where they said these things like they've they're saying what i'm telling you um so we've been living in a world where we want things faster and depriving ourselves of it is actually a good thing. Like that's like advocating for like going on like a religious hunger strike is like, you know, we're doing you a favor, you know, because now you get the opportunity to go on this religious hun hunger strike. Um, and you can't go on a, like, <laughs> you just, that's not gonna, that's not gonna, have people with rational minds making rational decisions absolutely wild it's absolutely wild and like like you said they're telling us these things and that's why and the, uh, like like before i said hey i could be wrong about this hyperinflation and currency reset but that's why i kind of don't think i might be because they're telling you the, the, the world economic forum is telling you we need a great reset and COVID has provided us the perfect opportunity to implement a reset You've also got the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, telling you uh, that we need a Bretton Woods 2.0. That was, we haven't seen an economic reorganization or a reset like that since 1944 with the Bretton Woods Agreement. That was what, 80 years ago. Surprise, surprise, at the end of the last long-term debt cycle. When, that, that was what we we're talking about 10 minutes ago with the deleveraging. When things get delivered, you get resets and reorganizations. And I think that's what we're going to see. Um, yikes. Because they're uh, telling us. Like they are telling yeah, they're us. Te 
you will own yeah, nothing not... and you will be happy. The thing is, though, is that they're going to lose. You know, I don't think Bitcoin has won in the sense that the game's over, um, obviously. But I do think Bitcoin has won. I think the die is cast. Um, and and they're, to use an American football reference, they're just running out the clock. Bitcoin's running out the clock right now. Game's over. Um, kind of like... Uh, It'll basically be like uh, in chess whenever um, whenever you have to resign. You know, you the game is over. You can keep going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth and moving your queen, but the game is over. You lost. And at some point, you have to tip it over and sh- extend your hand across and say, um, you know, I resign. Uh, and so the good news is Bitcoin can... Bitcoin already has them in that position where that's their, no matter what they do, that is where it leads to. Any listeners, um, Corey and I, we we are um, pretty strapped on time. This isn't a very professional weekly wrap. We don't uh, organize our podcasts or plan anything, but this is an absolute perfect segue into the last topic I wanted to bounce off you. I agree. Bitcoin's a hundred percent one, um, but you nailed on. You touched on something there. They're probably going to fight it, um, and I think I agree. I think they're going to really fight Bitcoin. Uh, like this is the separation of money and state. We haven't seen this in five thousand years, and the ability to steal people's time and money through a magic money printer, and you call it inflation, that's a really powerful thing. So I think they are really going to fight, and in that fight trusted third parties are security holes you don't want any trusted third parties and this gets into the last topic the aws server went out this week we all know that a lot of these shitcoin projects rely on the aws servers because they're very very centralized and surprise surprise a quote-unquote decentralized exchange dydx had to had to temporarily shut down when AWS went out. So this applies for the Bitcoin and Bitcoin over the next five years. Trusted third parties are a security hub, whether it's AWS or whether it's coins on exchanges. Get your Bitcoin off an exchange. Get it in cold storage. Um, yeah, I mean, this goes to, you know, I've talked about it a lot before, but... Um, and people, if you listen to the episode I did with Ben Ark, um, you know, my the Movies Plus, my streaming platform, we're specifically trying, like we are focused and have been focused from the beginning of not relying on server farms, third parties, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's why we, you know, are looking and discovered that there's a way to use lightning and and Bitcoin as a a way to create a decentralized server farm that um, can, you know, there will never be this problem, you know, um, because, you know, a a lot of the streaming platforms run off of AWS. um, And so if they go down, you're in, uh, you're in some, you're in some shit. Um, yeah, it's just, there's too much centralization, um, in everything, everything is becoming, I mean, 
this is what Mark Moss talked about with Peter McCormick, you know, we're like talking about how everything is moving towards centralization and there's enough of a reaction. You know, you can't push the, you know, two ends of a magnet together that don't want to go together. There will be a repel. It'll repel off and go in the opposite direction. Um, but yeah, it's, it's funny because Ethereum, I mean, how much of their, network is held up by aws well an article i read last year showed 80 percent of the nodes were reliant on aws um, but a lot of people quote a figure of uh 40 of the nodes so uh plebs, now, don't trust me how, how many bitcoin ones how many bitcoin <laughs> nodes are uh reliant on aws not many because it's easy <laughs> to run a node for the bitcoin network very easy you can run one on a laptop with ethereum you can't. You've got to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to be able to run in your own node and have a vote in the network. So guess what? You're not decentralized. Um, and did they? What caused the outage? Did they say? I didn't get to read that. Read too much into it. Um, no, I didn't. But I mean, it's it's so easy to have an outage. You know what I mean? Um, like I always, I told my wife like early on, I said, all right, you know, if like the internet ever goes down and cell phones don't work, here's where we meet. Like, this is the meat, <laughs> this is the meat spot. Um, uh, man, that actually would be a great movie. Let's make, let's make that movie. Let's do it. You heard, you heard it here first, plebs. We're making it. Um, yeah yeah it's just uh it's uh you can't rely on so i mean yeah the basic advice is if you're relying on anyone third party um think think about that even think about that with cars like with like chips i've been thinking about that of like buying some older cars i mean this will like serve two purposes like my like a guilty pleasure but also security purposes to buy like like uh, like a 1960s Camaro or like a Shelby Mustang, if you know what that is. Um, and uh, these are the machines that are mechanical. Don't reply, re don't rely on computers. Um, yeah. I'm you know. never getting one. I'm never getting in one of those self-driving cars. No way. No, with your tinfoil hat, they're going <laughs> to, your self-driving car is going to go right off a cliff. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly the uh the yeah, the um i'm on that many different uh, lists yeah i'm sure you are <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens when you try to get in the states the next time yeah. um yeah just you know st like it, think about the movie did you ever see the movie war of the worlds with uh tom cruise yeah i think so a long time ago so he, like basically like the the alien technology could like wipe out any electronics um and he happened to like be able to hop in the one car that was like purely mechanical and they were the only ones who were able to drive and get away and i i remember at that time thinking like okay if this if shit ever hits the fan i need to have a vehicle that can you know it's purely mechanical um yeah so anyways um but yeah no, i don't know i guess before i ramble about movies and bore everybody to death 
let's let's let him go. I think that's everything we've got um, on the docket. And I think that's a great point. Mechanical, electrical things are really interesting to think about. If you're a prepper and if, like, you know, I don't think it's likely at all, but if the internet and the power were, were to go out, like Klaus Schwab is telling you it is, okay, that's one of his other predictions for 2020, 2021, sorry, he held a cyber polygon, a global simulation. What would happen if the internet and the power grid went down? He is telling you it's happening, okay? He's the same man who told you a global coronavirus pandemic would spread amongst the world in September of 2019, okay? So Klaus is telling you the power is going to go off, but I just think the things like mechanical cars, they're really good things to think about. Um, I myself, um, what I'm thinking about is if I've got a motorhome, do I want to have it, have it parked um, inside my car um inside my driveway where i have an electronic gate because if the power goes down is that 100 battery powered or is that mechanical gate reliant on electricity so yeah i could i could have a motorhome and you know I've, I've got my fucking guns i'm good to go but if the power goes down i can't get out the goddamn gate can't you know i just think that's that's a great point you raised about the cars um if you are a hardcore you prepper you gun it and ram it What's that? That's when you just gun it and ram the gate. Yeah. <laughs> Get me out of here. <laughs> um, yeah. Lots to think about, plebs. Um, but that's probably um, that's good. Yeah. It's a good apolo- note to end on. Apologies to the plebs uh, for the, if we seem a little um, all over the place, but had a crazy <laughs> week and, um, and uh, we're both kind of uh, swamped with some stuff right now. So all good yeah. things though. And there's yeah. many more coming. So um we'll, we'll make sure to get back and do this next week um and not let two weeks go because i'm sure you guys were all dying to not hear me and luke talk about bitcoin <laughs> uh yeah we were pretty pessimistic today actually i i'll leave us i'll leave us on a good note um plebs the separation of money estate is going to be a beautiful thing to watch um i think there could be a fight coming but obviously i'm just preparing for the worst you can always hope for the best who knows? Central banks might, might you know, we might get this peaceful transition onto a Bitcoin standard where the two systems are allowed to work in parallel for as long as possible and not much harm is caused and everything's, you know, kumbaya and, you know, hope for the best. Um, but it doesn't matter. Bitcoin's inevitable. And once we get there, it's going to be a pretty fucking nice world to live in. So uh, let's leave it on an optimistic note because I, I agree. Yeah. I look forward to it. It's going to be great, clubs. Me too. All right. It's been fun. Catch you guys next week. See you guys. Um,